Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Frent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Patrick McGoy is an international business speaker with a background of professional success in broadcasting and business association management. His professional experience combined with constant examination of historical, current, and future trends is the foundation for his presentations on business leadership, management, marketing, sales, and personal performance. He has successfully led three chambers of commerce to membership and financial success. In Idaho, his Chamber of Commerce broke the 1,000-member barrier in a community of 24,000 people, and his annual events drew crowds of more than 900 people, proving you can be big in any size community. Please welcome Patrick McGoy, who joins us all the way from Idaho. Hello, Jeff. Thank you for uh, inviting me to uh, be part of your podcast. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. You know, now I've I work for a regional chamber organization, and I have seen firsthand that growing and maintaining memberships can be a real challenge today. Uh, coming out of the recession, a lot of people have cut back in certain areas. Are you seeing some general trends in chamber memberships in other locations across the country? Well, I think you hit it uh, on the head. The uh, the recession and the uh, uh, the way it has impacted uh, all the businesses that impact the Chamber of Commerce through membership uh, uh, really has the Chamber mirroring uh, uh, those particular issues. The problem is is in timing. Um, you know, when the recession hit back in '08, uh, it went from both coasts inward okay and uh, so you know your your communities hit the hardest where the uh, uh, the east coast and the west coast and then it finally came in about 2011 2012 is you know i'm being general in terms here but uh, then you got you know to the middle of the country mississippi and and uh, all the way up to wisconsin and and things happened that way so it became harsher uh, for those on the inside of the country uh, from my perspective and then um it turned around, and, and as uh, things started um, uh, recovering, it kind of went the same way. And uh, so yeah, you're finding that uh, chambers are starting to boom on the coasts again. Uh, business is back. People are rocking, and uh, they, they want to be a part of uh, uh, organizations that can help them be successful when the times are right. Now, you re- recently came to Mississippi and you were addressing the challenges of growing memberships and how to overcome some of those challenges. You started off with what you call the first secret, which is to know expectations. Why is this where you chose to start? One of the biggest uh, terms in the, uh, the world of salesmanship has been uh, relationship selling, right? And you uh, stop and look at it. The root word of relationship is relate. And do we relate to each other? Well, I believe the only way you can find that out is uh, start with expectations, like a marriage. Uh, I have fun asking audiences, uh, how many here would like to go back to the week before that little day when you got married? And everybody smiles and laughs a little bit and say, well, what if you did? And and if you could say uh, to your future spouse, uh, what will you expect from me once we get married? And uh, we, we seldom do that. I mean, at the time, we're so much in lust, excuse me, love. And uh, uh, but in fact, uh, if you're young, you're that way. Hormones are raging and all of that sort of thing. Uh, you're not thinking about the whole 
uh, uh, deal. And in sales, the same thing is true. We're in lust with the sale and not uh, in love with the customer, or in this case, the member. So I stop and say, all right, if you are uh, offering chamber memberships to people, you ought to be talking about what they expect. And then you can base your entire sales presentation on those initial thoughts and expectations that they have. So it really, are you ready? relates to them. So uh, that's the first and most important part of a uh, uh, sales presentation to me, specifically for membership sales, is asking, uh, uh, if you were a member, what would you expect? Now, in the same note, one of the toughest things for chambers of commerce is retention. In private business, they say it's much easier to keep a customer than it is to get a new one. It's not so true in the Chamber of Commerce industry and in uh, the membership world. If once somebody's upset or unhappy uh, being a voluntary member of an organization, it is much more difficult to keep them than it is, say, a, a customer of a, a retail store or a uh, uh, professional services organization. So uh, uh, that first sale better be pretty important. So now if I have their expectations, and a year later, two years later, every year I go back, I can say to them, you know, when you first joined, you expected this, that, and the other thing. And let me share with you, if you don't know already, what we've done on this, that, and the other thing. So it's, uh, it, it takes it back to what they want, and it's tough to leave an organization if you're really living up to their expectations. It's tough to have a poor marriage if uh, uh, you live up to each other's expectations. So really, you're starting off by focusing on them and not yourself as an organization. Oh, I think that's important. Uh, in any area of sales, I think that's uh, highly critical. You also touched on something which I think is a rather universal concept, and I use this a lot when I've been talking with my team members, uh, and that's why, or as you put it, why join. Now, I've always believed that if you cannot answer why, then something may not be worth doing. What is your advice to chamber professionals on how to answer the why join question? Because that's really the crux of this. Why would I want to join your, your organization? Well, I, I think the first thing I have to do is align myself with greatness here and make myself smarter than what I am and give you a quote from Einstein. And he's the one who said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. When people say, what does the chamber do? The number one response nationwide, the first word out of the mouths of most people, number one is, uh, they pause. They don't know exactly what we do. They, we don't have an answer. We're not even sold ourselves on the organization. We know, we're so busy doing what we do, we forget to uh, tell people what we do, and hence, we actually forget how to define it, how to explain it to everyone. So going back to your question, you know, to find out what we do is, uh, uh, there's a couple of things. The first thing is, what's the end result of our work? If we stop and think about that, that answer should be within our mission statement. And every Chamber of Commerce has its own mission statement, but I'm going to share with you for the podcast, generically, the mission of a Chamber of Commerce is to serve, protect, and promote its members. And when you stop and look at that, and if I say that to someone, they say, hey, what does the Chamber do? I say, we serve, protect, and promote our members. And they say, well, how do you do that? 
and I have given myself those three words to remind myself exactly what we do. We serve our members and our community every day uh, by being the front door to the community. That office that uh, you see all those employees in there and volunteers working in there uh, is the utility of the Chamber of Commerce. It's the hard cost of operating the organization. So if you give me a $350 a month membership, excuse me, a $350 a year membership, then I'm going to share with you that uh, underneath that first thing, the utility of operating, the office itself, we have on average five to ten phone lines. So let's use five, for example. And each line costs $70. Each line, every month, $70 times five is $350 a month just for the phone lines, not for the phones, not for the people to answer it, not for the building inside with the heat and the electricity and the, and the air conditioning and all the insurances and all the bills that every other business has to pay. Uh, it's just that line. And then I try to share with the member that uh, uh, first and foremost, 98% of all your dollars go to the utility of operating a chamber of commerce. And that becomes important later. We protect our members. We work on issues that impact uh, every cash register in town, to use cash register as the metaphor because many businesses don't even have one. But the deal there is the uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, often hears, uh, the Chamber doesn't do anything for me. And my response to them is, awesome, you can't give us a finer compliment. And they look at me with a, you know, a deer in the headlight eyes and they, what do you mean that's a compliment? I said, well, being a member of the Chamber of Commerce is exactly like buying insurance. Jeff, do you buy insurance? Absolutely. Okay. What's the one thing you hope for uh, when you buy insurance? That nothing bad will occur. That you never use it. I say I hope you never have to use the chamber because if you're saying the chamber doesn't do anything for you, they, uh, uh, you're telling me everything is perfect. We've actually done our job. And then they'll stop and they'll say, well, wait a minute. What about the need for that stop sign down at 3rd and Main? We have chaos down there. Nobody's going down there because, oh... Oh, you have a problem. Well, here's the deal, uh, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Member. You haven't called your agent. See, Chambers of Commerce, you know, we all have titles, president, CEO, CFO, uh, director of first impressions, and all of these different weird titles. But in fact, our true title for anybody who works in a Chamber of Commerce, from my point of view, is member agent. I want to tell people say, what do we do? I'm your member agent. What does that mean? When there's a problem with your, with your car, you call your insurance agent. When there's a problem for business, call me. I am your member agent. And, and I tell this of every employee, tell every member that you are their member agent, because that really defines what we do. And employees will look at me and say, well, I don't have all the answers. I said, of course you don't, but you know who does. And so all of us working together, what we do, we work on issues that impact your cash registers. And uh, it gets even better from there because if we work on one issue that has a 1% impact, a positive impact on your business, let's use that stop sign downtown uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, okay, just for an example. Mm-hmm. 
There's four businesses that surround that uh, uh, that stop sign. There's a little card shop that does $100,000 a year. Uh, there is a uh, 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 an insurance, a small insurance agent that does a million dollars a year. And then there's a jewelry store that does five million. And then there's Walmart that does a million a week, fifty million dollars uh, uh, a year. Okay. And they've been in chaos until the chamber stood up before city council and said, by George, we have got to have this stop sign. And, and this is uh, the, the uh, Chamber of Commerce fighting for it. And they put it in. And let's just say, just because it's hypothetical, that that one stop sign has a 1% impact on that $100,000 business on one corner, the million, the 5 million, and the 50 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're asking each one of those companies based on their size. We're asking the card shop to give us $300 a year membership, not a month for their uh, premium, but a year. And then the, uh, the $1 million one, we're asking them for 700 and it just goes up from there. And we'll usually ask the Walmarts of the year to give us five or 10 grand. Okay. But now we have fought for their stop sign and it's been successful and a 1% of $50 million uh, in my calculator comes out to half a million dollars in return. For the $100,000 business, it's a $1,000 return. $1,000 increased business for that little card shop that does $100,000 for their $300 membership. Okay. But now it goes, or as we used to say in radio, and the hits just keep on coming. <laughs> next year, you get the same 1% in the next year. Everything we do as a chamber of commerce, standing up and protecting business, helping business, uh, all of those benefits go on into perpetuity. And if You benefit every year forward. If you break down the cost also, uh, you know, that $300 membership is less than a dollar a day for that small business. It, it, it's, it's uh, you know, the, people say, what's the cost to join? And my answer is always, if you join or if you don't join, uh, uh, you know, it really is, is the, there's price. Yeah, it's 300 a month, excuse me, a year. It should be a month, but it should, it's a year. I mean, you pay a insurance premium every month, don't you? Absolutely. And, yeah. and we're just asking for uh, uh, one twelfth of that, just once a year, throw in your 350. And if nothing happens, God bless you. And God bless us. I mean, it's, it's that good. I mean, everything's in order. But what members fail to do and what the chamber fails to do is remind people, cause when, the, when there's an accident out there or one about to happen, give us a call, at least give us a chance. We can't promise, just like in your insurance policy. I was up in Destin, Florida one time and saw a... Uh, 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 a ship that was, uh, or uh, not a ship, but a, but a fishing yacht up on the sand. And we asked the guy, says, well, 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 why didn't you call your insurance company? And he said, I did. And they said, for a boat to be insured, it's got to be on the water, not on the sand. And, and, and that happens in the chamber. Sometimes there's issues we can't, but uh, for the uh, vast majority of the time, we can work on issues. Uh, another great term, we're the place where you circle the wagons. Uh, uh, and the value is always there, and that's why these symposiums have been so successful. We're reminding people of how to express our value. And one of the benefits, it seems like a lot of what you just described is uh, you're often an advocate fighting for your membership and helping bring issues to light and, and trying to find either common ground or resolution to obstacles or barriers that these businesses are facing. 
And another thing we're teaching is this. Uh, when I'm speaking to the mayor, uh, when I'm speaking to the county commissioner, I'm speaking to the state legislature, I don't refer to uh, uh, the people that support the chamber as members. I, I turn right to what their currency is, and I tell them, our constituency says this. Our constituency looks at this. And I remind them that our membership is a constituency, and they are a constituency of the number one driver of all tax dollars to the city, the county, the state. I mean, think of where else do tax dollars come from? They come from business. I mean, this is why every business should be a member of the Chamber of Commerce, just to increase the voice. Uh, I don't care if you don't have time to party. Give us your money. Give us your name so we can say you're on the list and be part of the constituency that gives a Chamber of Commerce power. Now, going back to your Einstein quote and talking about clear communication, do you find that Chamber professionals sometimes uh, they want to be viewed as an expert in their field, uh, an expert uh, regarding their organization, and they really honestly overcomplicate the communication, maybe too many 50-cent words or over-explaining uh, things which are not really relevant to making your you know, sales call or your pitch or showing the member benefits? Um, how can you help people overcome this and simplify the message? great salespeople sell in threes. They give you one, two, and three things and then shut up. Okay. Serve, protect, promote our members. Uh, uh, we are the business utility uh, that you pay for us to be there. We work on issues that impact your cash register and we're the best promotional buy for any business. Uh, at Chamber of Commerce events, every event uh, from a golf tournament to a business after hours all has a captured audience. If you pay five bucks per person for 180 golfers at a golf tournament to sponsor that and the chamber puts all, does all the work to put that on, uh, you've got to stop and look at that's a $900 uh, advertisement, but you're guaranteed 180 golfers will be there. We provide captured audiences. We work on issues that impact your um, uh, uh, your business, uh, especially from taxes and regulation, and uh, going back to that first door, uh, back to number one, we're a data center. We're the information center. Uh, we are the business center for the community for 350 bucks a month. Excuse me, a year. A year, absolutely. You know, so it's three things. Uh, you always give mm -hmm. them three, and, and I, I hone it back down. I, there are no magical words. There are no buzzwords. Serve, protect, promote. Thank you very much. Preparation, also one of the most important factors in being successful, really, in any business enterprise, of course. But before meeting a new potential member, what should a chamber professional know before going in? And let me give you an anecdote here. I've been approached uh, in my previous job uh, by people selling different products uh, in the sales and the marketing world. And mm -hmm. I had a number of people who came in, scheduled a meeting. We sat down and called my organization by the wrong name. They weren't prepared. <laughs> yep. Or, they, Rut row. or they've called me by the wrong name, even though we've been communicating via email or on the phone, uh, or I get a lot of uh, cold calls type email sales pitches, and uh, they'll call me by the wrong name, not prepared. Yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, one of the things you have to do is stop for just a moment uh, before I call on anyone. Before I, if I drive up to someone's uh, place of business, once I've set the appointment, uh, you know the biggest secret in sales is selling the appointment. If somebody says yes to meet with you, eighty percent of the sale is done. Well, you've done that initial uh, uh, call and you've set up the time to be there, and when they have said yes, well, then you got to do your homework and you've got to. And, and today, if I'd 
had what you have today when I was in the heart of my career with uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and all the rest of the uh, platforms that are out there, uh, I'd have been 10 times wealthier than I am right now because I could find uh, uh, so much information. Give you an example. This is my... uh, social media class. Uh, I tell people Twitter is for news and information. I, I just, I follow five major newspapers. I follow Inc. Magazine, Fortune Magazine, other magazines. I follow uh, Harvard Business Review. Uh, I don't do that to communicate with anybody. I do it for others to communicate to me. LinkedIn, that's true networking online. That's where I can find out where people, how serious they are about business. And Facebook, grown up show and tell. That's where I want to see your grandkids and your sunsets and all the other stuff that goes with it because it gives me a personal touch to you. But if you ever send me a sunset or a grandkid on LinkedIn, uh, I'm unfriending you right now. <laughs> I, it's just, I just don't play that way. And, uh, but just using those platforms to find out about people so then I can say, oh, you're a Stanford cardinal. Or if it's an older guy, still, they, st- they have plaques on their desk that say, once an Indian, always an Indian. Uh, you know, it's because they came from that time. They were proud of their time at that time, no matter how Im- uh, politically incorrect it is today. Uh, but it gives you a little insight to people. It gives you some, some insights. And so you can go in and use it as a uh, as an icebreaker to talk about something you have in common. Now, because you asked the question, the first thing I look for about another business before I go in to call on them for a membership is to see if they even have a mission statement, a vision or a mission statement. And then I will try to relate their vision and mission to our vision and mission. They will be impressed that I looked it up. All key in preparation. Now, you know, many of today's new and emerging businesses are driven by, you know, the newest generation, millennials. And do you think that part of the challenges with growing membership is generated where they see a chamber organization as something that their parents were part of and not something that they need to grow their business? And how do you address those issues? How do you communicate with them? I have two answers for you on this one. Okay. First off, every generation has millennials to deal with. Uh, my parents uh, and, and my grandparents, uh, uh, us baby boomers, we were millennials to them. Okay. You, you just have to understand we were different. Everybody's different. Uh, everything is different, but everything remains the same. The secret is, is it, and, and I'll tell you, I talk to millennials. They hate to even be classified uh, as millennials. They, they, they don't even like to be classified at all. And I kind of dig that, okay? Dig being a word from my generation. Okay. So when you uh, 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 look at it, though, uh, uh, this next generation, they don't want to be their parents. Uh, I'm a boomer, okay? And our our great phrase was, we work half days, and what we do with the other 12 hours is up to us. We came from a harder, well, not a harder working one, but but just, uh, you know, it was, our parents came out of the depression. They gave us this uh, work ethic. They said, you got to work all you can and as much as you can. And sometimes it wasn't as smart as you can. Okay. But now uh, the millennials, I'll tell you in the chamber of commerce world, uh, here's an example of what they're saying. They're saying, number one, uh, if you want me to go to business after hours, I'll go at four, not at five. 
Uh, if you want me to go represent my business, I want to at least be paid one of those hours to go represent my business. And I want to be done at six. I want to have a life after six. I've got kids. I've got family. I'm not staying till seven or eight o'clock and hanging around, having a drink or whatever. No, they're saying, I want to do business. I want to shave and get out of the bathroom here. Pardon the phrase, but that's what it is. So they go at six. And, and what they're saying is, and if I'm on the clock, I have to be there. I can't just skate away. And so now you get more people at business after hours. And this is all coming from the minds of the millennials, not us old baby boomers. So uh, I, I think, you know, they're different, but they're, they're the same. They're just, you know, they're getting ready to lead the world in their way. And uh, I'm loving it. And they're driving the next generation of innovation. I mean, they're oh, starting God, yeah. new businesses like crazy, uh, where we record uh, this podcast is uh, started by a young gentleman who had an idea and has created this viable, you know, vibrant business down here in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. And look how many podcast businesses could be out there. My son, two years ago, we thought it'd be a six-month, maybe a one-year deal, opened an escape room here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, he's too busy to close it up. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, escape rooms, I mean, different little things. Say, and that's not a high-tech thing, but it's, it's addressing what uh, the millennials grew up with, all of these different games in the palm of their hand. And, and so many of them were different games. You know, some of them were uh, shoot them up and kill them up uh, games, but others were puzzles and things like that. And there are so many people out there uh, that, you know, that want to get out and not be virtual, but want to be live and in person. And they're finding their way. They're just, and I think it's exciting. They're very exciting. Now, Pat, the main focus of this podcast has always been economic development. And some listeners may not see the correlation between growing chamber and chamber of commerce membership and economic development. But really, this is just the other side of the coin. So why should the economic development you know, community be more involved with their local chambers? Well, I've got to preface this with a little history. Economic development used to be the mission of Chambers of Commerce. It was the Chamber of Commerce where the uh, uh, the manufacturer wanting to relocate or start up his business would go to. But we lost that mission. And everybody said, well, why did we lose that mission? And I can explain it to you in one word, confidentiality. Okay, simply that uh, it, when you have a board of 18 to 24 people and you have a couple of realtors on there and you have uh, other people that are uh, striving their business and now they're on the board and they've got this inside information. Well, they're going to break the confidentiality to be the first one to uh, contact all the employees from the uh, manufacturer and blow the whole thing up. And that's what happened. And so that happened just a couple of times. And those uh, chambers, uh, those board members that did that indicted the Chamber of Commerce industry to the point where economic development became a private function. And as it should be, I mean, we're living in a world of Google secret, right? I mean, you can't, I mean, the, the, their operations are so secret. And when they want to move and do, uh, you know, uh, they moved to uh, my former community, the Dallas, Oregon, and they're there now, but you wouldn't even know it. I mean, it's just Google secret and economic development has to be that. So understand uh, we got pushed out of the uh, world of economic development, and then I'll tell you my story here in Coeur d'Alene. I moved here, and uh, they had started four years before I got here a private economic development group called Jobs Plus. 
And uh, four of the wealthiest guys in town sat and had coffee and said, we got to do this. Uh, and we need to hire a salesman, not a marketer, not an economic developer, but a salesman to get on the phone to call people here. And, uh, and they did it that way. Uh, they had a business model of five to 25 employees, and which was so different than anybody else. Everybody else wants to get the Nissans and the Toyotas and all of the, you know, the, uh, the, the Kias like you have there in the South, you know, four or 500 uh, jobs. Well, here in Coeur d'Alene, we went for five to 25 uh, employee uh, businesses, and we marketed it out of Southern California. And if we got 10 of them, that's a 250 employee uh, company, right? But if one goes out of business, nobody knows, nobody cares. We just went through this recession 20 years after all this uh, huge success that we had had in economic development, and a couple went out of business. Nobody knew, nobody cared. But our community rocked and rolled during the recession because uh, most of those uh, businesses stayed strong. Now, uh, I jumped ahead of myself a little bit. I moved to Coeur d'Alene, and the economic development president called me, and he says, Pat, do you know your role in economic development? And the way he said it, I said back to him, I said, I think I'm about to find out what my role in economic development is. And he said, get over here. And so I go flying over to his office and he says, uh, he says, it's my job to sell uh, this community, to sell our uh, properties. He says, and it's your job to give me something to sell. When I come to I want I want to show every potential business looking to relocate to Coeur d'Alene how vibrant this community is. If I take them to any meeting, any meeting, I want it to be full. I don't want that. I don't want to take them to a meeting where maybe a few people showed up and the food was bad and yada, yada, yada. He says, give me something to sell. And I said, OK. I said uh, I had to ask what's in it for the Chamber of Commerce. And he said, what do you want? And I said, if my chairman of the board can be on the golden shovel line every time uh, so people know the chamber does have a role in this, it's just a new role, uh, I'll be satisfied. And he said, you're on. And we had a partnership until we both left. It was, it was dynamic. So uh, uh, why should economic development uh, organizations be members of the chamber? Because we are the ones that are going to be speaking for their new people. We're a sales tool for them. When they come in and say, and we have this vibrant organization that works on uh, providing you with information, that works on issues to protect you with uh, uh, less regulations, less taxes, yada, yada, yada. And, and they also provide promotion for uh, your HR department, for your uh, sales department, for your marketing department. Uh, uh, you're coming to a town that has it together. We are something to sell for economic development. Pat, your top takeaways from our discussion today. Well, uh, you know, as I, as I stop and look at it, you're asking all the questions everyone uh, needs to ask. But I'll share with anyone who's in the Chamber of Commerce, uh, if you have enthusiasm for uh, your organization, you'll answer in the same style as I have answered your questions. If you're not a member of the Chamber of Commerce, it's really not fair because you're getting the benefit of it, but you're, 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 in, you're in the game without a ticket. And two things make a Chamber of Commerce powerful. Uh, members... The number of names we have on the list, our constituency, and the money behind our voice. If we can't back up, if we can't put 50 grand toward an issue and speak up loudly with the dough that it takes in today's world, ah, we're just nothing. But if everybody just circled the wagons in every town and just said, hey, 350 bucks a month premium, 
excuse me, of 350 a year to have this, you know, for the smallest business and, and work it out. Hey, we will be in there. And then most of our job can be focused on the issues and not with our palm up trying to make more money. So I think that's uh, uh, you take all the issues you've talked about and it comes down to that. You can find more about Pat, including links and articles and presentations at his website, www.activatingpeople.com. Your member agent, Patrick McGoy, thanks for joining us. Green lights and blue skies. Thank you very much, Jeff. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.